Okay, we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to get going? Yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be great. This is gonna be so controversial. It's it's name it's, your favorite races five to one. <laughs> the hundred meter dash. The two hundred meter dash. Suck my dick, Roger Bannister. <laughs> How many times are you gonna reference Roger Bannister? Uh man, he's my hero. I don't know. It's like you need he's the first man to beat the four minute mile. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, that's, oh, okay, that's who okay, he is. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah, the, there's this new shoe that everyone's breaking uh, records with. Oh. Uh, it like just bounces better or something like that. I don't know enough. Do you have to cut your legs off and put the Oscar Pistorius thing? Yeah, you have to put the Oscar stories. You have to have a handgun. Kill your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Worry about a worry about an intruder. Do you think he took the starter pistol from one of his like referees and shot his wife? Absolutely. You want to get going? Yeah, let's do. I've got a good intro that I can use. Oh, great! Good luck with your nickname this week. Retrograde podcast where we remind you what you used to love and whether or not you still should. I'm Andrew Bascom. And I am my TV guide, Aaron Wurr. <laughs> That's great. Is it? That's not, well, honestly, on my walk here, I was like, well, what the fuck is he going to say for a nickname uh, this week? Because usually it's singular, right? You threw me off so hard right before we started this podcast and for those of you who are listening for the first time for some reason on this episode welcome welcome um i always try to make up a a very succinct on topic witty yeah catchy nickname for myself flying through the nation and it's usually usually i nail it yeah that's undisputed mikey o andretti mikey oh that was that was a good one (laughs) but this time right before we recorded like before you said and welcome to the retrograde you looked at me and you said oof good luck with your nickname this week and i was like oh fuck i don't have one <laughs> and then i'm like how the hell am i going to save this but yeah cuz it's usually so much easier there's one topic yeah pick a m name from right. this topic m name shanlan <laughs> And for those of you who are now picking up on it the reason why that's difficult for this episode is because we are talking about our top 10 tv Stop. You're looking at me like I should be repeating it. Show. Show. Of. Series. Series of of the the decade. The retrograde. All right. That was worth all the practice. 100%. That was like weeks of practice. Yeah. We rented a studio. Kevin weeks of practice. 100%. Um, So we are, yeah, we are going to be talking about TV shows that came out in the 2010s. Yes. Uh, You know, just an aside, I'm really pumped to get to the 2020s so we don't have to have this weird conversation about what aughts and tens and like, we can just say what the best TV shows from the 20s. Wow. When we're doing this podcast in 11 years from now, and we're doing the best TV shows of the 20s, this is going to be so much easier. Is is the medium of podcasting still going to be around 20 years from now? Uh, I think radio will be dead. We will bathe in its blood. Podcasting killed the radio star? Yeah, podcasting killed yeah. the radio star. Much like The Athletic is trying to kill the newspaper. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, and yeah, being like post, like, spikes with their heads on it and stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's the same thing, right? So I think, but this is this makes sense. Not even just to talk about podcasts, but, like, on-demand Media, yeah, is essentially what podcasts are and what Netflix is, right? And what it, it just—that's the way everything's going. You know what I like about it quite a bit um, is <laughs> I'm glad to hear you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God I've been yeah, involved yeah. in the medium for long enough. Um, there's something to say about how news cycles, like news stations, fill their cycle. 
Okay. Just with content and repetitive content and ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. Right. What I love is like listening to the New York Times Daily Podcast, which I you and I talk about yep. a lot. It's kind of just this succinct summary of the most important news headline of the day, essentially. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's not as over overarching and you're going to have to do some digging to find out what else happened in that mm-hmm. day. Yep. But it's 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 not them taking one story and spreading it over the course of an entire news cycle. Yeah. It's it's in fact the opposite it's putting it condensing it into half an hour totally and that's what i find podcasting kind of is i enjoyed that yeah like and the thing is too is like you know what you're getting into before you click this before you click this we didn't have to tell you we're doing the top 10 shows of the decade right, right. you knew that and you're like oh i want i like tv what did they think about this and now you get to hear us think about it and right. first of all thank you yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. we love you they, we, we love you um i i'm i'm excited because i i uh, i'm very uh very self-conscious mm-hmm. And I always want to know how many people like me or dislike me. Uh And I, as a result, constantly take a look at our subscribers and listenership and Mm -hmm. all that. And it seems like, obviously, it makes sense that growth becomes exponential because one person tells one person who tells one person. And And that's why we have four listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mom, dad, Andrew, Mikey. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, It's my favorite show. I can't wait for you. Yeah. Yeah. no, but it, the, the growth has been impressive and it's fun and it's kind of addicting. And yeah. I, I, I love it. And that means there's more of a community and people interacting with us. Totally. And, it's been great. and, and I just to, to, to relay on that too, I'm really excited to see other people's top tens. These oh, yeah. are our top tens. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the parameters here for a second, but these are our top tens. No different than when we do the video games and we rank them. They are coming from a personal slant. Yeah. These are not objectively the best 10 TV shows that came out in the 2010s. Right. These are our well, favorite. Well, yours aren't. Mine are. Oh really? Yeah, mine oh, are objectively the best TV shows of the of the 2010s onward. Absolutely. Do do uh, does your Joe Rogan YouTube account like count as one <laughs> one through ten? I'm not an enormous Joe Rogan fan. <laughs> it's just when they talk about mushrooms because you're the mushroom king. I love mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, you love I, mushrooms. I do love mushrooms. Uh, I've never done a full dose of them. <laughs> I will microdose them. Uh, and that, they have a very positive effect on me when I microdose. That is, li- that is Listen fact. to 2020 when Mikey's high on mushrooms playing video games <laughs> on the Retrograde <laughs> podcast. I put it out there so now it has to happen. Um, no, we're just talking about the shows that we feel made the biggest impression on us, the 2010s in general, and and where we think television is going. Television in general is a hard medium to now pigeonhole. Right. Because it can be... We, we're going to define it as this, episodic television. Sure. So I'm going to say an example that I hope I'm not ruining anything for you. Sure. But the hardest one that I left on the, off the list, because I can't tell if it's a movie or a TV show, yep. is uh, Made in America, the O.J. Simpson story. Oh, that's tough. Because that's like a mini series. That it's like nine only parts or eight yeah. parts or whatever it is. And it was shown in theaters and stuff like that. And I think it's one of the most brilliant things I've seen in a long time. And it would be on my list if I could really define it as TV. But it's not TV. Right. It's not HBO. <laughs> so what is it? Yeah, it's tough. And it's hard to... Th- it's That's like, what it is? It's it, not HBO. It's not TV. It's tough? It's tough. Tough. T-U-F-F. <laughs> the new streaming service brought to you in part by Tough. It's a little bit of like... You tough know- stuff. That's right. Get in line, bitches. Bend over. We're about to spank you on the ass with some hardcore tank. Oh, is Spike TV back? Spike- <laughs> Stripperella. Do you know how many hours of Stripperella I watched before I realized there is no nudity in it? What's Stripperella? Stripperella. It was that, like the flagship show of Spike TV for a while. It was the end. That wasn't the Man Awards or whatever that one's called. The <laughs> okay. Spike uh, TV Guy Awards. Oh, God. What man, was that? What a terrible fucking channel. Yeah. Um, but yet. Oh, no, no. The, the highlight of. Sorry. The highlight. Since we're talking about TV. Yeah. The, <laughs> TV. Not HBO. Is, uh, is the highlight of Spike TV was um, 
most extreme challenge. Most extreme elimination challenge. Yeah, most. Yes. That that is the one that should be on my that should be on my list. What am I doing? Here? That wouldn't be 2010. Ah, yeah. so that brings up a very key point. Yes, the shows that we were doing had to premiere. Keegan Michael Keen point. <laughs> had to premiere 2010 on. So that eliminates some key shows like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Parks and Recreation, right. Community, which right. I found out later. I was like, oh, that gets off my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there, so- were, there were a lot because for a while, when, here, here's how much trouble we had with these lists. <laughs> we talked about what the parameters are and we're like, well, as long as the majority of the show went from 2010 onwards we should be good and we had like 90 shows on our list and yeah. we could not whittle it down harris whittles it down so we ended up recipes yeah 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 um so we ended up going back and getting rid of anything that started before 2010 so, it was just an easier cleaner cut yeah, yeah you know it just it's it's a little bit more like what my rabbi performed oh boy <laughs> it's a mess down there it's a mess <laughs> Um, so I guess you, you want to start off Let's with our, this. with our number tens. We're going to go, uh, 10, 10, 9, 9, 8, We're just going to really fuck around with you <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah. We should pull a number out of a hat. I'm going to do number three this time. Oh. And then a rabbit comes and Actually, then, <laughs> mm. no, don't. <laughs> All right. So who want, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. I'll start number because 10. this is not going to be a popular pick. Top 10 TV shows of the decade. Of the decade. Now here, I'm going to start by saying this. I think that <laughs> is every, is every entry into the list going to go, okay, so what you need to know about this is. <laughs> I just, as, right as I said that, I remember the last time we had a draft and you're like, why do you need to qualify every single pick you have? Um, but I do, I, I do need to, because I think that this is going to be a constant on my list. I am very okay with there only being one season of a show uh, and calling that one of my favorite shows of the decade. And that's why this show uh, is, is my number 10. It's sharp objects. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's really good. I thought about that one as well. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, that's good. So sharp objects, like one of the things about TV that works so well for me is that it just tonally, it puts me in a mood. Like it just, it, it just kind of strikes this weird resonance with me, whether mm-hmm. it's the choice of music or how dark it is, or the camera angles it just kind of makes me feel a certain way based solely on, I guess some like overarching tone rather than just yeah. the dialogue or anything. And, and sharp objects, the choice of music, like the soundtrack was great. The, 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 the tone uh, and, and, and the content matter, the subject matter was, was just disturbing. It really got under my skin. Like I could feel like almost like there were bugs crawling under, mm. under my skin. And uh, Amy Adams is great. Love Amy her. Adams is phenomenal. Yeah. In that. Yeah. I was actually looking through, um, there's this, this is a, uh, not a paid advertisement, but if they want to, that's great. But um, <laughs> there's a website called Letterboxd, and it's a way of of um, cataloging the movies you've seen, movies okay. and TV. And you can kind of give it star ratings and give it notes and when you saw it. And so it's a nice little catalog for when you have seen movies and which movies to see going forward. Oh, cool, cool. Um, and so you can base on that, you can click on the actors and producers and directors and stuff like that. And so I clicked on Amy Adams Day because I also want to catalog all the movies I've seen in the past. Yeah. And it's incredible what she's been in. Yeah. Like, it's almost like remarkable that I forget. Like, Amy Adams is a great actor, and I don't think anyone would, you know, dispute that. But you start going through, and you're like, oh, my God, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, a lot of yeah, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff, yeah. you know? So, uh, I love that pick. Sharp Objects is great. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like that. What so, about your, what's your number 10? So, I also took a little... This is my probably my m- most left-field Andrew, why pick. do you got to qualify all your picks? <laughs> I'm just... I'm saying I'm right there with you. Yeah. This one's a lot more different than you, but... Uh, the 2010s brought a lot of different things. And I think one of the things that they brought was uh, more of a culture. A great election. Uh, which one? 
2016. Oh maybe. no, I was more of a 2012 guy. Uh, <laughs> is uh, is it brought a rise in people caring about what they put in their system, and in, okay. the, in that way, the borders got a little bit more invisible, and we started to see you know other people's cultures a little bit more transparently because of because of the media that they were putting in there. And so for number ten, I chose Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown from CNN. Oh wow! Um, just the fact that the rise of the celebrity. Uh, uh, celebrity chef excuse me has brought a lot of negatives it's yeah. brought us a lot of, of seven different guy fieri shows but it's brought us a lot of great things in the way that he's showing how other people eat and live the one thing we all have in common is we do sit around a table and eat usually in a social situation yeah. and you know for a pretty unbiased narrator i think he was really one of a kind and uh and he had worked very blue collar jobs up until writing a book and uh and then became the person he is but never changed and i think that's a remarkable thing and i think the world was uh, a little worse off by losing him so i wanted to highlight this show as not a narrative show but s- something that you know uh i think most people can watch and kind of uh take something from you know what anthony bourdain is is so interesting to me i while he was alive just did not like him i mm. I, I thought that he had a shtick and it was just like i'm the i'm the chef that's gonna make a lot of dick jokes <laughs> yeah and i just kind of i could boy yeah yeah and and i was it, it seemed like you know when when you have like gordon ramsay and these guys and it's like oh chefs just want to be the asshole chef like a simon cowell judge yep. or something yep. like that and it wasn't until i started to hear all these stories after he had died that he was actually incredibly dedicated incredibly talented uh and and was a lot more caring to those around him that i started to be like well maybe there's something more subtle in this that i hadn't picked up on yeah. and i started to watch a lot of his shows i haven't seen like a full series of any of them but but i finally started to understand how that would resonate so well with someone, especially someone like you who, who has, I, I wouldn't, I would never call you like a foodie, but like, <laughs> but like you're very passionate about, about, um, hospitality, hospitality yeah. in general. That's a yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. 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 So that totally makes sense to me. I, I appreciate that. I just, that one's the, like, we're going to get back to like normal good shows, but I think that's like, instead of having a comedy show or like a, a new show, I think that's a really nice medium to say. It's an also very, very good show. It's yeah. shot incredibly beautifully. Yeah. And they open your eyes to a lot of cool stuff. So I wanted to say Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown in my number 10. That, that, that brings up an interesting one because one of – I think maybe my favorite documentary series of all time is Cooked. Michael Pollan's yeah. Cooked. But I didn't feel like I could put that one on for a similar reason. It's four episodes and it may as well be a movie. Yeah. So I, I didn't I didn't include that one. Which yeah, is, yeah. I'm glad you said that because like some of the one season stuff I, I find really interesting because – well, you know what? We'll have this conversation afterwards because just in case some of these stuff is on your list, I didn't want to... Uh, something tells me I have some of those uh, on my list. Yeah, one's going to break my heart because... Uh, but we'll, we'll get to I think I know what that one is so and it's what's... coming up not too soon. Okay, good. But my, but I'm going to go with my ninth pick now. So Sharp Objects was, was my tenth. Yep. My ninth pick, I hope this goes over well. Um, I think what I like about it is it's... It's improvement from one season to another by completely changing course, but doing something equally as impressive in a different way. Mm-hmm. It, I'm going with Mindhunter. Oh, wow. Um, and I know we talked before this podcast huh. about recency bias. Yeah, we did. But I and, – and a lot of the shows that I have on here are relatively recent or a few of them at least. But I, I don't think that that is – I don't think that's that's a hindrance in any way for me at least. Like I I I want to let it known that I really do love this. So Mindhunter as well. It's I guess it would be like three years ago the mm-hmm. first or two two years yeah two and a bit two two and a bit that yeah. the first season went on and that exploration of uh, you know a serial killer psyche and the focus on the interviews rather than the acts themselves and then the way that they shifted to the second season by 
making it more of a traditional detective narrative, but also having such, again, I talk about tone and just it giving me a feeling getting under my skin. Mindhunter season two did that so well. It went to some places that I've never seen a show go before in terms of like really making you feel awful. And, and I, I like that. I do. I can't, you've heard us talk about, I don't have mine hundred on my list. It would be in my top 20, probably top 30, whatever it is. I actually wish I did a top 50 because I could have, and we're going to talk about some honorable mentions in a second afterwards. But like, and just to find out where I would have found it on the show, I think that the acting has been, especially that second season. I'm going to talk about that in a couple of my lists here, but like the difference between season to season, to me, that second season, first season of Mindhunter is great. It's yeah. totally great. It's totally fine. Second season is something special. I thought the first season was better. Oh, wow. I liked it better. I thought it was a bit more subtle. I love the focus on the dialogue, okay. um, but I do love that. I guess they just didn't want to just be an interview show in the second season, so they really took it in a different direction, and I like. I think that it's as well. also the growth of the department in Mindhunter, where yes. they're like yeah, they yeah, would yeah. have to use them in the field eventually to prove it's worth. Right. They can't record after it's dead all the time. They got to do it like, well, the point is, right. you're going to catch somebody one day, yep. right? And and did, did they? they? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm so excited for Mindhunter season three. Um, okay, with my number nine, it's a show. Um, by Brian Fuller, who I think is an incredibly talented writer, and he he kind of added some of the more be- best suspense, and also created one of the better long t- uh, short term shows of all time called Pushing Daisies. This is uh, my number nine is Hannibal uh, from wow. NBC. So when you're talking about disgusting and like chills and all this kind of stuff, Hannibal does this for me. And and what I loved about it was they took what could have been an incredibly tired process, yeah. About uh, you know, about the psychologist Hannibal Lecter yep. and who he you know victimized and stuff like that, and it's about Hugh Dancy, um, who plays a young FBI agent uh, who is learning from Doctor Lecter. Yeah, the show it was on NBC, which is remarkable. Yeah, so there's so many you know so many restrictions on what you can do to show, and and yet the way they do it is they they played up the fact that Hannibal Lecter is a chef. Which is in the in the in the movies he talks about I cooked his brains with lima beans uh, and all this kind of stuff. So he const- fava beans, fava beans. Excuse yeah. me, thank you. And he's constantly cooking for people and stuff. You would like never that. eat a human with lima beans. You fucking idiot! <laughs> like you're so stupid. God, you think be- Chianti is gonna go with lima beans and brains? Okay, I made a mistake, Mikey. Come on. You look so delicious right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think what's great about Hannibal is they. So I'm going to do a little segment here with my numbers. Ooh. I, I kind of created something a little different. The un- underrated or MVP of the show, yeah. is Jose Andreas, who's now a famous chef for his giving. He he literally moves to countries to help you know set up uh, food stations oh. for people in Puerto Rico and all this kind of stuff. But he's also a Michelin star chef. He's oh. brilliant, and he's but he's a giver. He was the food consultant on the show. So whenever they were doing these very stylized cooking, and he's sharpening the knife and cutting and this spills out and stuff like that. It's gross because it looks like he's murdering somebody. Right. But it shows you what cooking looks like also when they're dead, but it could be when they're alive. Oh, It is gross and awesome, and it's beautiful, and it's disgusting. It's a really great show. It only lasted two seasons, but it's compelling and great, and the writing was phenomenal. I, I actually hated that show. Oh, wow. Granted, I, I wasn't able to watch more than like two or three episodes in a row. Mm. I, anytime I would see someone watching it, it just seemed like it was annoying orchestral string music in the background and like silence and i guess when i say that now after everything i just said about tone right and, and but i maybe i should go back and give it a honestly try. it's really good yeah. and it's just one of those lost forgotten things you you know this is this is like there's a couple more on this list but there are there are a few where you're like you might not see that on a list too many times but man go back and watch it it's great yeah okay yeah. i i that yeah i may have to give that one a shot 
Um, number eight? Number eight for me is the one that is going to upset you that is on my list. I'm pretty sure it's Russian Doll. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, it's one of two. Yes. One of two. Okay. Yeah. Russian Doll was, what a fucking delight. Amazing. I just had such a good time watching it. By the by, the last season, I just remember thinking, or sorry, the last season, the last episode, I just remember thinking, th- thank God I got to watch this. Yeah. I just felt so thankful what that something like it existed. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It I feel like the number of episodes is perfect, and that's a complaint I always have against Netflix shows. I feel mm-hmm. like they're, they always go two episodes too long. I agree with you. But this was just to the point. It was poignant. I think each episode was half an hour like mm-hmm. or less. And Russian Doll, for those of you who don't know, is essentially a Groundhog Day type scenario where uh, the main character finds herself in a situation where she's constantly dying and then coming back to the same moment in the same absolutely but, but things are... things start to go a little bit different and mm-hmm. she realizes it can't go on forever right. and then she's trying to find a way out of the loop yeah. and just that that commentary on what would probably be a life in new york at her age with those sorts of people where you're just constantly finding yourself at the same party over again and interacting yeah. with the same people in different bodies just the same personalities you know, as someone who's who's going into that stage in my life, mm-hmm. I, I related quite a bit to that feeling, and I thought that it was just perfect time for me to watch it, and perfectly executed as well. It's it's such a brilliant show. Yeah, and like to be honest, I don't know. I like I'm so hesitant about the second season. Like like oh, are man. they doing a second season? Yeah, I don't want that. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you just said like, and there it is, deal with it. Yeah. And you're like that's brilliant. That's yeah. art. Yeah. I'm good. But now the second season, I'm like, I'm just morbidly curious about like what the hell that's gonna be right, all about. Right, right. Natasha Leon is just so 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 like it really it was created by her and yeah. her and uh, I, I forget sorry somebody else and uh, but it's so beautifully driven by her personality. Yeah, and I just I uh, I think it's it's awesome. The the main asshole guy in that show is a character who he plays in a, a completely different character in a show that almost made it on my list uh called the nick Have you ever heard of the nick nick is on my honorable mentions yeah yeah, yeah so the nick, nick is great the nick was fantastic yeah, um, steven soderbergh yeah yeah yeah, yeah about, about early early hospitals in the late 1800s in right. new york right discovering uh, well the knickerbocker hotel uh, hotel knickerbocker uh, hospital was yeah. like one of the Premier hospitals at the time, I guess. Yeah, they were learning of... about surgery mostly, yeah, and yeah. what the. It's just like that is such a crazy idea to me. But that shot, that is also shot so beautifully. Right. The Nick is incredibly like oh so good. Um. Okay. So my number eight um is going to um uh, my number eight is going to be a spiritual successor to probably one of my favorite shows of all time. Not probably one of my favorite shows. Maybe my favorite show of all time. Uh, number eight is going to be Bob's Burgers. Oh, um, it's just, in my mind, it's a spiritual success for the Simpsons because oh, in a way okay. that okay. he, he, Bob Belcher has a job. He owns a hamburger shop and a diner and he has his family around him that help create the chaos and the good in his life. And Tina, Jean, Linda, and Louise are the reason why things are good at the end of the day and why things are tough during the day. Right. And I think it's a really great example of like, you know, I was really tough that I don't have Rick and Morty on my list. So you don't have to say if you do, yeah, yeah. but uh, I didn't because it's so sometimes I feel like Rick and Morty can be a Ted talk for me where they're lecturing me a little bit uh-huh. while being hilarious, but it never has the heart to me that, that this show did. And I just think the it is so, it's so real to life, even though a cartoon and we see that so many times through Pixar and other things that when things are animated, man, they can really, 
they can really hit you in a really good spot. And, and things like family really get to me really good. Of course. And so I love Bob's Burgers and it came out in 2011 and I'm really happy that you, you bring up such a good point about how sometimes animation can tell you more about being a human than humans can. Absolutely. I remember a movie uh, from a couple years ago called Anomalisa mm, that yeah. worked in a similar way. Yeah. Um, the annoying tagline or the annoying review that you kept seeing for the movie was it's the most human movie of the year, <laughs> yeah, even though it's yeah, with puppets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think that's absolutely right for a couple reasons. One, you let your guard down when you're watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And two, when a cartoon mimics something subtle and yet human, there's no question as to whether or not it was intentional. Whereas right. like if an actor does something that's a little subtle, you're like, oh, I wonder if he meant to do that. But everything is intentional and direct. So yeah. when someone rolls their eyes in a weird way or has a kind of look off to the side, like that's something that's planned and there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of read it as like, well, why would that person do that right there and, and, and read that into the That's a really good point. That is a really good point. Everything's intentional. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, nothing accidental about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, Bob, I, Bob's Burgers. I'm sad. I didn't have that on my list. It's it's one of there's a lot of shows that I wanted to have on my list, but I haven't consumed them all, like mm. like all the episodes. And I have to kind of assume that part of the reason I'm not jumping out of my seat to go watch those episodes is because it wasn't one of my. That's favorites. a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just by the way, my MVP for Bob's Burgers is Dan Man says Tina Belcher. He is the funniest. Tina Belcher's amazing. He is yeah. the funniest comedian, and he that's how he, he is talk- very funny. He and that's how he talks in normal. That's his voice. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. my god, yeah, he's really funny. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. If you haven't heard any of his stand up, yeah, absolutely go out and and watch some of it. And because- it's just liners, like two three liners. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. but man, is it funny? Yeah. And it really the delivery system is so great. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to Dan Man's. Yeah, he's so good. Um, okay, so my seventh pick then, um, this is a, another in a string, but the last kind of, uh, not quite, of, of a string of just sort of one-off seasons is Maniac. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, oh, one's, wow. that one's kind of out of left field, but Maniac, to me, anything with like a strange 80s futuristic aesthetic, which is weird enough to keep me guessing, but not so off the rails that, that I, I lose interest um i i'm fully on board with and i feel like it was something that you know when it, when a show kind of offers you all these weird explanations and situations and everything sometimes it's easy to just dismiss it as being like oh they don't know what they're talking about they're just throwing shit against the wall and seeing seeing if it sticks but there was always such a common thread going throughout maniac that i felt like it was actually you know, similar to the cartoons, everything was intentional. Hmm. When when something wacky would happen, there was always something more you could read into it. Right. And I'm I'm a hundred percent behind that one. I also hope they don't do another season because it just worked so well for what it was. <laughs> I can't imagine they will, to be honest, with yeah. that cast and with uh, yeah, it was Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, yeah. um, Justin Thoreau, Justin Thoreau as well. Yeah. And, and but uh, the creator of the show was. Uh, the guy from um, True Detective, uh, and now he's doing the Bond movie. Oh. What the hell is his name? Here, I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, um, go for it. Okay, yeah, it's Kerry Fuganaga, who oh. did True Detective. He's doing well, you looked Bond. that up very fast. Well, I just boo-boo-boo. Yeah, I'm, I'm one with the Matrix. Oh, man. It's almost like see, no, most podcasts mm-hmm. would probably like hit pause. Yeah. You'd look you'd look it up. Yeah. Maybe go to the bathroom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. You, you didn't need to do it right Grab there. a couple of beers. couple of beers, <laughs> maybe a Pilsner or Kell and a Molson Canadian. Who knows? <laughs> we're not used to the research part of it guys we're no no there. we're not we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> well i mean it, it's we, uh, 
I mean, when you think about it, we don't need to be because our banter is so good. Absolutely. Also, we're the two smartest people in the world. Oh, that's so true. <sighs> I keep, you know what's so frustrating about that? What's that? You can't learn from anyone because you're already so much smarter than them. Yeah. What, what are you supposed to teach me? Uh, here. Other than humility. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Fuck that. I don't want to know that. I'm so smart. All right. So my number seven, your number seven was Maniac. My yes. number seven is going to be Halt and Catch Fire that aired on AMC wow. from 2014. Uh, oh, I just did what you told me not to do and step all over your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you. I was just saying, let's be cognizant of it. Um, and I, I am. I'm still doing it, apparently. <laughs> Halt and Catch Fire was an amazing show. It kind of came off the heels of Mad Men. And I think what happened was, so no, so no, the reason I was saying about the rough first season or a different first season is Halt and Catch Fire came off the heels of Mad Men and yeah. everyone wanted to be the next Mad Men. It was a period piece set in the 80s right. about the rise of personal computers and how Texas, instead of Silicon Valley in California, was actually the place where most of these were being right. created right. and sold. And the first season's up and down. It's a little rough. I didn't like the first season nope. and stopped watching it after that. There you go. And But it sets all this like really hard groundwork for the relationship of the four main characters yeah, and what they will advance with going forward. And it, the stories that they tell and the way it goes and the bond of love and betrayal and, and envy and greed is really, really phenomenal. How many seasons is it? Three. Okay. Four, four, four. Sorry. That, that's one that I wanted to love so badly. So if you're telling me that it gets better after Uh, the first season, really good. Okay. I couldn't stop watching it. And then after season two, for every season, it was, please bring it back. Please bring it back. Please bring it back. And it was like, well, we got to tell one more story. And it was given a final fourth season, if I'm correct. Uh, but Hall and Catch Fire, yeah. And the MVP of that show is Carrie Bechet, who plays uh, the husband, the wife of Scoot McNary, who the whole the whole cast is incredible, by the way. Yeah. Lee, Lee Pace, Mackenzie Davis, Scoot McNary, Carrie, Carrie Bechet. And like she really is great because she kind of starts as this housewife and like kind of like suspicious of, of Scoot McNary and his money and his, you know, brilliance. And eventually be getting into the business world. She's so she's so great in that show. And obviously Mackenzie Davis is now like a Hollywood star. She, and- I had I I had an enormous crush on her in that show. <laughs> she went to university with my friend. Uh, she went to McGill. She's Canadian. What? Yeah. God damn. I shouldn't now. I feel like I'm doxing her. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. And Lee Pace is always good in everything. Yeah. he's. I, you're absolutely right about that. He. I. There's something about... Wait. Lee Pace is not the main like Don Draper type, right? Yeah. He's the sales guy. Oh. Yeah, he's the he's like the sleazy, doesn't have everything. Oh, who's the other guy? Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary, I love him. He's in everything. Yeah, now, too. And he's so fucking he's good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. man. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm with you. The, the four of them are so good. That show was so good. And not enough people saw it too. Yeah. Um. So Halt and Catch Fire is number seven for me. Awesome. All right. So number six for me, you are going to you're going to hate this pick. Great. You're, you're gonna that's hate a, it. That's a good qualifier. You're gonna hate it. Um, but I don't care how recent it was and I don't care that it was only one season. Um, it, it, I, ref- I reference it every day of my life. Uh, Dark Souls? Do- no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's, I think you should leave. Oh, that's no, that's great. I love that. Okay, good. good. I, love I thought you were going to say that one doesn't count because it's kind of a mini series ish. There's only like six episodes and each yeah, of them are only about 15 minutes, but it did get renewed for a new season. So I think great. that kind of counts. Um, great. I, I think you should leave. We've talked about it on this podcast a million times. Mm-hmm. It is for my money, the funniest show since probably Tim and Eric. Yeah. And I can't stop watching every single one of the skits I, when I'm, when I'm having a shitty day, um, I, I'll just put it on and watch a random episode because right. it's, it's almost become 
like listening to a good song because mm-hmm. the episodes are so short. You find a skit and there's always a joke you forgot about that kind of catches you off guard. Uh, it's Tim Robinson, yep. who I hated on SNL yeah. and now have grown to absolutely love. Uh, if you are a Tim Robinson fan and you've seen I Think You Should Leave, go and watch the show The Characters on Netflix. Mm-hmm. He has an episode and it's also absolutely fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, 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 I'm glad you said that cause that didn't even come up on my research okay. and I loved that. I think you yeah. should leave. It's yeah, yeah. just so funny. And like, it's the most like memeable show of the last little bit too, until baby Yoda came into our lives because <laughs> like, like it does Ooh, both. Of my number one pick. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> baby Yoda, not even the Mandalorian, just scenes with baby Yoda. Four scenes. Um, Four scenes. Oh, Hey, whoa. the four scenes wakens <laughs> is uh we're not even like it does both. <laughs> the, the most the most memeable scene to me is now the guy in the hot dog costume who said like oh, yeah, 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 yeah I know but we should really find the guy <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about you gotta watch you gotta I think watch you I think you should leave it's oh. so you can do it in an afternoon if you want you really could yeah and you should yeah no I don't know about that it's there's a reason why each episode is 15 minutes long yeah there's only so much you can take yeah yeah, yeah fair enough all right so my number six is gonna be Fargo um so I never wow thought- <laughs> see oh, I waited. <laughs> Is that really a wow for you? Uh, it is. It's a wow. I, I'll let you uh, do your little spiel, but I have mm-hmm. a I have a lot to say about, about Fargo because I considered it as well for my list. Oh, okay, uh, I think I never thought they could pull this off. I love Fargo the movie. I love the Coen Brothers. Yes. I think most people do that like cinema. And it, I would, I was actually originally hesitant to it um, and didn't watch it when it originally came out because I thought, well, what, what could it possibly bring? Yep. You know. And then you start watching it and you're like, oh, I totally see. It's an anthology series. Right. It's, a, it's a reset where they're going to tell a really interesting story for one season at a time with, and, with and, an all-star And crew. then a second season. And then maybe not so much in the third yeah, season. Yeah, third season wasn't <laughs> as good. But I think what the best part about that show is it can reset and restock. Right. And because the third season wasn't good doesn't mean that the fourth season is going to be any worse off. It Do might we be know great. for sure there's going to be a fourth season? They're talking about it right okay. now. I think okay. it's a money thing probably at this point. But because of Noah Haley, who is the creator and producer, who who is really the MVP of the show. Like the fact that they put this together and can, you know, logistically pull it off is remarkable to me. Those are like, they're true crime and all that kind of stuff is never more in this. And so there's a reason why I want to talk about this is just tens was the rise of true crime and serial and the jinx and all this kind of stuff. And Oh God. Yeah. And uh, the jinx. Yeah. I almost had it on the list. That. Yeah. I know. Shit. I know. Change documentaries forever, forever. Yeah. The staircase, all these great things. This is a really great fictionalized version of that. Right. Where they take they take a real story and then, you know, in a remote area and give it a really personal feel to it. Up and. until the third season. And this is why I didn't... This is honestly why I didn't have Fargo okay. on my list. The third season to me was actively upsetting. Mm. I did not enjoy it. I thought it would... It took so many liberties. And for a show that goes out of its way, and we talked about this yeah. on the podcast before, a show that goes out of its way to claim to be based on a true story... Um, out of respect for the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, everything else has been told exactly as it happened, or yeah. whatever it says. That's that's, that's pretty that's close. That's how yeah. that's how they start every single episode. So why some of the characters in the third season end up in a bowling alley that's supposed to be heaven, and they're talking to a cat that's actually the reincarnation of her ex lover, who is like it just th- that weird interconnectedness and the uh, involvement of some high-end hacker launderer person that just doesn't seem to be based on anyone real i just i don't know that that's that season lost me (laughs) interesting i liked fargo it's number six on my top 10 tv shows of the decade all right so number five uh is is kind of 
this is what I had to poker face when you said uh, when you said Bob's Burgers, and I don't know if Rick and Morty's on uh, your list. Rick and Morty is on my yeah. list here. You do make a very good point when you talk about the fact that it does not have heart, and therefore is I know that it does that on purpose. Yeah, but it does limit what it can actually do for you emotionally. And, totally. and a lot of a lot of what I do enjoy about my shows, whether they're comedies, tragedies, cartoons, whatever is that there's this this element of realism and hu- humanity in them. And, and Rick and Morty is kind of devoid of that. But ironically, that's sort of exactly what I love about it. It's such a an escape from the expectations of not just a cartoon, but a TV show in general. Yeah. The, one of the only reasons why I didn't want to put it on my list is because some of the fans that it gathers are just the worst the, people in the, the worst people world. In the world. Yeah. And by me saying that it's one of my top five favorite shows of the past decade... You're, it's very easy to loop me in with everyone else who's just like, Rick and Morty's the fucking smartest show on television. <laughs> it's like, You dude, wouldn't get it. It's not It's not smarter than other shows. It's just lowest common denominator smart, where like yeah. it, it makes it easy to believe that you're the only one who feels you understand it as well as anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's, it, that takes skill to write, but if you're there believing that you are smarter than everyone else because you understand it, you are actually one of the dumber people who watch that show. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, there's a, uh, there's a person named Katie Delaney who writes for the show and she, she wrote a show and she wrote something and then wrote it on Twitter and, and the number of people replying back to her like, you don't get it. She's like, I wrote it. I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was honestly, that was one of the, I can't believe that it was a hesitation of like, do I put Ricky Morty on this list? But then man, then I'm going to get, like, I don't want to be, I will say the only thing I have a concession to what I said about it not being an emotional show, the season finale where Rick sacrifices himself and lets the family go and nine inches nails uh, hurt or Johnny oh, Cash yeah, 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 comes yeah, yeah. on is really affecting. That was really like, that really hurt me, but uh, mm, ironic. Hey, Oh my God. It was, it did its job. <laughs> it did it. <laughs> That's very literal. It did it. Did the nine inch nails are all high fiving and going, we should go home now guys. And I like, I hurt Andrew. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh my no. god, that's me. <laughs> You're just like pointing at yourself, you know. Spotlight comes over. Um, yeah, that and then really... accuses priests of doing very bad things. Oh, they knew, Mikey. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 you know what? It was kind of a toss up for me. It was one or the other in that spot. Yeah, so that's fair. I totally understand it. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. fantastic show. Yeah, and Dan Harmon is a really talented, smart guy yeah. when he's not getting in trouble. Yes. Uh, my number five. That was your number five, right? Yes. So your number five was Rick and Morty. My number five is going to be The Good Place. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So Mike Schur created the show. I think Mike Schur is brilliant and uh, low-key. I, I think that's the career I'd like to have. Where You'd he, like to be Thor's brother. Low-key? Yeah. Well, he's a trickster god. He's a fucking he, little trickster. He's still, He'd be good for The Good Place. Yeah, he'd be very yeah. good for The Good Place. And some version of that would be really interesting because w- the work that Mike Schur put into it to creating a show about the afterlife without a religious overtone yeah, yeah. is an incredibly complicated thing. And I think only speaks to the fact that he's really talented at what yeah. he does. Um, because, and the twist at the end of season one really works on so many levels. Uh, Ted Danson is a fucking God. And I love him so much. He is so good in everything he does. And the fact, like, ah, uh, man, I'm going to laugh doing this, but like, I, I promised myself I wasn't just going to quote stuff when I liked it. <laughs> but there's a scene, if you, if you want to look at one scene of like whether I'm going to like the show or not, there is an afterlife of four people that were chosen. Um, and Ted Danson is the um, spiritual person there to 
uh, foresee these things. I don't want to ruin the show for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's over the, the the principle of the, sure. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, overlooking yeah. the principle stuff. Yeah, Chidi is one of the the gentlemen gone, and he's an ethics professor, and he was teaching them about the trolley um, the trolley problem. Which if if you've ever taken philosophy, you've taken you know this. What happens is, does your trolley go straight and kill five construction workers, or can you turn it to the next beam where it only kills one pe- one person? And it's to create a conversation about, is it right to kill one person over five people? Well, those five people are going to die. Why create? Why kill an innocent person now? Right, 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 right. And all this kind of stuff. And so they're, he's teaching them about that because he's trying to teach them whether they should be in a good place or a bad place. The good right. place, right? And they keep going to Michael, who is bad at this moment, and going like, well, what would you do, Michael? And he has a drawing, and he's like, well, I think if you had a really long knife, you could kill the five people <laughs> and chop the head off of the other person. And it, and it and it's a beautifully drawn thing, and so much so that the conductor is saying, good job, Michael. <laughs> like, and it fucking is just the funniest thing in the world. I, I The show is so good and so smart. It weaves in amazing like pop cultural references, like basketball stuff, and the fact that uh, they, they we weave in Blake Bortles all the time, kills me all the time, that Jake Jacksonville, uh, Florida, is the worst place in the world. Yeah. They decided that. I, the Good Place is a really smart show. It's about to end. Um, it hasn't ended yet, and I just have all the faith in the world that it will nail the landing because it feels like one of the shows that they wrote out first and went, okay, and now we'll script it out. Oh man, yeah. So, so I I watched about half of the first season, and it was good. I liked it, mm-hmm. but that was another one that just didn't quite grip me, and I couldn't really put my finger on why. I think it's because I had trouble figuring out whether or not it knew, like it was aware of how like light it was, if that makes sense, or or like yes. it, is it self aware or is it just being this way because it wants to be like fluff and and it, maybe I haven't watched enough of it, but it just seemed like it was. Have you watched? Do you know what happens at the end of the first ep- season? No, I haven't watched the full oh, first. Oh man, I almost want to ruin it for you so you'd watch it because you know what? No, you know this is one of the few times where I think this will actually help yeah. you and help all the listeners. If you don't know what happens at the end of season one of The Good Place and don't want to know. Skip ahead 40 seconds. Or, or, plug your little ears. Yeah. Just skip ahead. Plug them. But make sure, okay, okay. This now this is really, really important. Okay, which are they, yeah, okay. If you're plugging your ears, mm-hmm. don't, don't use your earphones to plug them. <laughs> don't use don't, your earphones to plug them? Don't oh, use, because they'll hear it. They'll, you'll hear it even oh, better. Oh my God. Yeah, they're probably looking at them and like, what's an ear-shaped thing that I can plug my ears with? <laughs> and then you're, you'll see the earphones. Yeah. Don't earphones. Listen, don't do it. Yeah. Don't because then you'll get earphones. I don't, it sounds so odd for some reason. It does earphones. Actually, does it? Yeah. Earphones. Is that, when is I got that this, all phones? When I got this giant headphone. Yeah. Actually, I'll take, I'll take a photo and I'll post it on the social media <laughs> for the retrograde. Uh, when this episode comes out, I'm going to ruin it for you because I think you'll like this. Okay. So what happens is in, in, in the good place, these four people die and they are in the good place. And Michael, the angel is helping, I guess the angel, I guess that's Christian. So the, the, yeah, you're right. The, the principal of this place is showing them around the town that they will live in for the rest of their lives. Right. But as the show goes on, they, as the first season goes on, they realize, especially the Kristen Bell character goes, I was an awful person. How am I in the good place? And they're kind of, they feel like they've all been lied to, or they've lied. They've cheated their way into this and they're afraid someone will find out. Right. Okay. Well, the end of the first season is they find out that's the bad place. They're actually in the okay. bad place. I had a feeling that's where, it, like, I, so I honestly. That's why things are so light and stupid. Like, it doesn't make any sense how great, how, like, how fluffy things are. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, and okay. so, like, they talk, like, in an insane way that doesn't work and stuff like that. And the twist at the end is that they're actually in the bad place. Michael is one of the demons. And, uh, and they're torturing them. 
through oh. because they're learning about humans and like their emotions are bigger than their physical stuff. Yeah, we can torture them forever, but to make them feel bad is actually worse. Oh, and, interesting. Oh, and wow. So it's all about spirituality, and it's it's a really smart, great, great show, and I can't I can't speak enough about it. And I I'm really excited to see how the ending goes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, maybe uh, I got another show I need to keep on watching Netflix. then. <laughs> Uh, but until then, I'll go into my number four. Mm-hmm. Four. My number four, this this one is very tough for me because I think in later seasons, it's just really gone downhill. Um, it, later, later entries. Yeah. But the first two and a bit, uh, I think, changed TV for me, and it's Black Mirror. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So I... I it's tough because in the Netflix era of Black Mirror, the first season was pretty good. It right. had its its ups and downs, but it was definitely passable uh, to be on that level of Black Mirror. Everything that's come out after that has just not been good enough. It, no. it has not passed the bar. I, I'm thinking about that weird Miley Cyrus episode. Yes. Um, although, again, here's here's why I did have it on the list is even in those moments where it's clearly dipped in quality, there's always a flash of brilliance. In that recent half season that just came out, the episode of the with the virtual reality yeah. where the two guys play that fighting game together mm-hmm. and, and end up falling in love within the game, even though they're they they're not in love in real life. Right. But it was was such a, an interesting concept to me. Um but again, it's it's really tripped along the way. That can't take away though from how potent and how great the first Two seasons were on the original British television series. Yep. And then the Christmas episode with John Hamm. Yeah, that one's really great. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't make my list, but it, it, it's kind of hard to state, overstate how important Black Mirror was to television. Yeah. In yeah, general. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. kind of brought back this great, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this when it comes to movies because that's how I feel about some certain genre okay. stuff. But um that's how, like, they brought back a genre that hadn't been seen on television since Twilight Zone. I was going to say it's basically like the modern-day Twilight Zone, yeah. even more so than the modern-day Twilight Zone. Which is a different show completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. I completely agree yeah. with you. So that was your number four. Yeah. So my number four, I'm going to... Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later. My number four is going to be Game of Thrones. Okay. So okay. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i pass this off, and we can discuss Game of Thrones when I'm sure it's inevitably it, coming it up. It is coming up in mine. So we'll go yes. up with yours. Then, okay, okay, that sounds good. So then my third... I hope I hope this is on your list, and I hope we can talk about this show. Um, it doesn't seem like it is because I, I I get uh. the sense that you really enjoy these uh, these like longer show, shows with a longer run that have a a, a th- uh, like a through thread to yeah. them. Yeah, dramas typically more than comedies. Mm-hmm. I love TV, good TV uh, for for the excuse of of just kind of like forgetting about all that stuff stuff sometimes yeah and this show nathan for you oh fuck no i don't have it on but i have it written down as i uh, mentioned it's, it's so, so fucking funny it, it yeah i i i hesitated to put it on the list for one reason and that's that i think the formula is getting a little bit tired but the first season of that show i couldn't believe how much i i couldn't believe how funny it was i couldn't yeah. believe how much i liked the first two Right, yep. right. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how awkward it got, and and how, like, I like awkward comedy. Like the British version of The Office, for example, I think is is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, even though it's like really, it like grinds you, it like hurts you. Nathan, for you, legitimately, I felt like sometimes I almost had to turn it off because of how awkward it got. Mm-hmm. But he's so good, uh, Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder at yeah. at 
at bringing out those awkward things in in other people and playing it up and almost knowing they're going to take it farther and he doesn't even have to be funny he's yep. just letting regular human beings be the strangest people be themselves in the world yeah creating these plot points there's an episode where he's trying to help a cab driver rediscover his business so he's like well you should go get a terrible rating on uber so that people hate uber and and they come back to your cab thing and then he goes visits him in like two weeks because the plan was this guy goes on uber for two weeks and uh, and drives people away from uber and it turns out He's ended up he he's got like two thousand rides under his belt. He's switched <laughs> over to Uber completely, and he's like, "Wait, I thought you." He's like, "I still hate it." It's like, "Well, you've done two thousand years." He's like, like "That's a, uh, that type of shit is so funny." Ah, uh, it's such a I, it's such a funny show. I'm so glad you talked about it because I it wasn't gonna get enough when I start listing my honorable mentions. But Nathan for you was so unique and so creative. Yeah, uh, man, it's it's a special show. Yeah. So my number three is going to be Atlanta. Um, okay. Atlanta aired on FX. Um, the MVP of the show is going to be clearly the multi-hyphenated Donald Glover. Oh, my God. Um, and the really incredibly stellar cast that there that is now on there. Yeah. You've seen these people in so many things since right. Atlanta. But the fact that Brian Tyree Henry, Sazzy Beats, and Lakeith Stanfield started on Atlanta, or really came to prominence in Atlanta, um, the show can be funny. It can be incredibly serious. It can be incredibly poignant about... Um, you know, race and and a presence and who you are in class. And I, I just, it's, it, it upsets me. I know I'm going to steal this line for you, but it, like it upsets me how talented Donald Glover is. I, like I was, he, I was about to say, when you said multi hyphenated, yeah. I, uh, I was about to, to add on to that. Like I've, I've said this on the podcast as well. I find myself actively disliking him. Uh, and when I look inward, it's only because of how jealous I am of yeah. him. Yeah. Like, completely how jealous I am. It just turns out he's really talented. Yeah. And when he puts his attention to something, it's good. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's a great show, and it's still going to go on. And I have a feeling it's going to be kind of a Curb Your Enthusiasm ending because he is he has so many other, um, you know, expressed interests that I think that, like, a show will come out uh, every three years or right. something like that. Right. Which is great because the shows have been great. Right. And, and, and I... I I think has really defined the decade really well because of some of the topics they talk about and the, the, the characters that they are. Yeah. I'm really glad you put it on your list. I didn't, uh, not because I didn't like it. I love it. In fact, it is one, (laughs) here's the weird thing. It is one of my favorite shows. Right. But I never found myself really going out there to see the next episode. Mm. It was just kind of like, what do I want to watch? Oh, well, oh, there's a new new season of Atlanta. Okay, let me piece through that. And I still haven't finished the second season. Oh, really? And okay. because of that, like, I, I think I have three episodes left. Because of that, I was just like, I don't think I can... I don't think I can put it on the list and know that it came from me as opposed to came from the general understanding of the, or yeah, the, the general love of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I put it on, it would just be to kind of be like, yeah, no, I, I agree. I love it as well. But right. clearly that's not the case because, again, I haven't finished the, the second season. So. Totally. No, no, I, I think that totally makes sense. I, I Yeah. What's but- your favorite episode? Oh, man, that's tough. It's got to be from the first season probably. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, I really like when they go to the strip club and he's the producer and the the life of Brian T- Tyree Henry and Donald Glover is separating because he's shown like a great time, whereas oh, Donald Glover shit on it yes. routinely. Yes, and yes, they yes, both yes. hate their existence because yeah. he doesn't like getting highballed and stuff like that. And is this what I'm working for? And Donald Glover's just hustling. It's like, is this what I'm doing? Yeah. And I think it's a really great dichotomy of like two different type of people, even though they were the same person at the beginning of the episode. Right, right. I'm trying to think of when that was in the first season, but yeah. I, that's the one that stands out immediately to me. I, I really liked the episode in the second season uh, with uh, Teddy 
Teddy Ruxpin. What, oh, what's what's yeah, that? Teddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the weird like Michael Jackson type mm-hmm. figure, and they go there to help him or to get a piano from him, and and they end up learning about his life history, and it's right. Donald Glover dressed up as some as the Michael Jackson type figure who does or does not have a brother and is or is not a murder. Like who? It was the weirdest fucking episode. <laughs> but again, it, what what I love about it is that Atlanta, almost like Fargo has the ability, not from season to season, but from episode to episode, to completely change the tone yes. and pace and meaning of what would probably seem like the the show itself. Like oh, it, for sure. Yeah. And I, the, the look and the colors that they use and, like, the way they stylize the show is just so remarkable that you're right. It Like, there is, like, certain aspects of, like, the couch being in an open lot in a field. Right. And they hold it really wide where they're talking and you're like, well, that's remarkable. I could yeah. be a painting. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 there's yeah. a lot of that yeah. in there and uh, it's it's just a remarkable show for yeah. so many reasons. Yeah. That's great. That's a great one. So number two uh, is the one that you deferred. There we go. Uh, it's Game of Thrones. I think this one. Wow. What is your number one going to be? Yeah, that's a good I question. I mean it. Like, what is it? So uh, that's the thing is Game of Thrones, all it had to do was stick the landing. And, and. <laughs> and it would have been okay. And it absolutely failed. Like so much so that I was almost ashamed to put it as number two. But I keep thinking back to how much this show meant to me. Right. From seasons one through six. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird because it has seasons seven and eight absolutely tainted the rest of the show for me. Because clearly Benioff and Weiss, especially what's come out afterwards with yeah. them basically saying that they just kind of just blurred the lines and, and kind of got by skimp by as best as they could they, on the talent they of rob other and people. thick the lines they... <laughs> yeah okay. they did yeah. yeah they forelled the lines they forelled them they just blurred them all over the place yeah um it's unfortunate but again seasons one through six whether it's because they had the source material or not i don't know it was still shot very well the dialogue yep. i thought was great the storylines were great the people i think forget maybe after after the shittiness of seven and eight that while it was going on, it was like the most talked about show. And it was one of the first shows that would kill off anyone at any time for any reason. Your favorite character was never safe. And that made it, that made every episode feel nerve wracking in a way that no other show could have been. Yeah. Nothing is safe. And like all the conventions of TV are out the window. Right. Because you're like, no, I'm going to stick with Ned Stark for all seven seasons. It's going to be really good. And you know, I get to learn about the family. No. You're like, because he's the biggest star doesn't mean that they last anymore. Right. And and that's that's one of the reasons why, like, The Walking Dead, I loved it when it was first on. Yeah, um, the first couple seasons and, were fun. First couple seasons. Yeah. But even then, I, I was a huge fan of the comics. And the comics would recycle almost the entire cast every so often. Ruthless. Everyone would die. Yeah. And you just got the sense very early on that that was not going to happen in the TV show because like you said TV shows typically have to act differently around their main characters yep. they're paid actors i don't know if being unionized has anything to do with it but it's also just knowing that they resonate with the audience and i, I think it's an audience thing i think people in TV executives are super old school and they're like they need to see the same guy every week right, you know like right, that's right, like right. they came to see Rick Rhymes, you right, know, or whatever right. it is. Um, yeah, I was going to say, my MVP for, for Game of Thrones is HBO. The fact that they took something, made something that could have been incredibly yeah. dense and scary and expensive. Yeah. And, you know, made it work. Um, I, I, the problem is, is the last couple, the, I, to me, it's six and seven. Seven, seven's bad. Six is kind of like where you start raising your eyebrows going like, what the hell are they doing? 
Oh, what's really? going on here? Six, I thought was the peak. I thought six oh, was really. Was, yeah, yeah. I yeah, didn't. Yeah. I didn't like six so much. Where I'm like, oh boy, and that's why I was kind of like, this is gonna be a little rough. I remember the beginning of season six. I was like, yes, here yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah. And then by the beginning of season seven, I'm like, come on, come on. So the only problem is, is not nailing the landing. And so, like, I've seen this argument many times with people in Game of Thrones. It's like, well, the ending, it's just the ending. Like, it was about right, the ride, and right, you're like, right, right, right. no, the show from the beginning was setting up the ending. We're seeing yep. the Night King. We're seeing all this kind of stuff. It's setting up the ending. And so when you don't nail the ending, you become lost. Like, I'm just saying, it's just, Lost is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And in no one talks about all these great moments in season one to five. They just go, the ending wasn't good. And they just kind of throw away the baby with right, the bathwater. Right. I hope that doesn't have a Game of Thrones because there's good there. And just because they didn't nail the landing doesn't mean it's all washed. Well, I think one of the problems is, and I guess you could say the same thing about Lost, is that it turns out so much of what was being focused on for the first six or seven seasons were inconsequential. Yeah. Completely inconsequential. What is the point of the Night's Watch, really, if, like, one person... Like, I mean, you, you can go down the line of all the issues it has, but, like, the Night King... Who the fuck was he? What it, like it's supposed yeah, why? to mean something? Yeah, I know. At least I from I haven't finished Lost. I haven't seen the end of it, but it seemed like hmm. they at least tried to draw those connections and be they like, did. it does mean something. Yeah, like it I'm was. A, I'm a defender, so <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> You're talking sure. to the right guy. But like fan theories about what Game of Thrones could have been were way better than what ended up happening. Yeah, like there's a great theory which lines up with everything that happens in the show and and the books that says Bran was probably the Night King. Yes. And it turns yeah. out, not only is he not the Night King, but the Night King kind of isn't anything or anyone. He's not... And we'll never know that. Right. That's the right. other thing. Like, it, w- the reason we're saying he's nothing is because they didn't give us anything right. and he's dead. Right. Oh, well, that... Okay. Right. I, by the way, as a guy who bet on Bran to be the Night King at the end of the thing, literally gambled oh, actual really? money, really? I was watching it like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Well, I mean, it's it also... What, what that does is... Because one of the theories I had about why Bran was the Night King was... In the episode where where Danny goes back to save Jon Snow and and his jolly gang from north of the wall, and the Night King kills one of his one of their dragons, mm-hmm. he so easily could have killed everyone else on that dragon and destroyed them. And my thinking was, no, Bran is the Night King because he needs word about him to spread to unite the Seven Kingdoms and finally bring peace. Yeah. No, it just turns out it was a dumb trope from television. Yeah, That's and I it. want to make this clear because we've talked about Game of Thrones on this podcast lots, but. We don't need to be right for it to be good. Yeah. And I, I mean that, and I'm going to speak for like fans in general. I don't think everyone needs to be right for it to be good. What you need is a comprehensive story that that has a conclusion that makes sense. Right. And then I go, oh, I'm totally okay that I wasn't right. That was a really good story. But instead, it just it felt so empty at the end. And and that sucks. I, I agree. And you know what? I, I just looked back at season six and what was in season six. And you're absolutely right. Season six was not as as good. It was season five as the oh, peak. Okay. I started to look at you. some of the episodes. Yeah. Season yeah, yeah. five's great. Season six got the tropes ended up being very... It, that's when I started to get the sense because they really started to move away from the source material around yes, that time. And yes. that's when I was like... Okay, and I think I was still giving it a bit of faith because I'm like, oh, they're going to tie this all together. But, like, that was the season with the Hodor thing. Like, mm-hmm. hold the door, hold yeah. the door, hold the door. And I was kind of like, okay. Like, that yeah. just didn't... I was like, all right. They've never set that up that time travel is also... Like, they have... Ugh, okay, it, whatever. I don't want to say that. Sorry. It, but <laughs> Take it, it back. <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter now anymore. Like, no. that's... Yeah, anyway, that's, I, that's a whole other issue. The last thing I want to say about Game of Thrones is just... So, there was... They they bought three prequel successors. Yes. And now it seems like none of them are going to go yeah, ahead. Yeah. 
I think there's something really to be said for that. And um, much like Avatar, no one's looking for a sequel. But right. um, but I think they're seeing that maybe all of the the harvest has come in and there's nothing left in the field. You know, I seriously think so. Yeah. I don't, I would not be interested. I would not. And no. this is coming from someone who like, I'm very harsh towards seasons seven and eight. Season six was okay. I No, you mean six and seven. Season five was okay. Even season six was okay, yeah. but it wasn't the peak. It wasn't the peak. Okay. Um, I cannot express how much I loved the first, <laughs> the first few seasons. Yeah. It like, I, this is from someone who I ended up reading. I went to school for English literature yeah. and the language you speak, the yeah. language I speak. It yeah. was a, it was a very tough course. For me. <laughs> um, and after university, even though I had read a ton of books all the yeah. time, the most I've ever read in my life was the span of time it took me to read the all the existing Game of Thrones books. I read them in a month and a half. Oh I my god! Consumed them. I loved the story. I loved everything, and I wasn't the kind of person who was like, "Oh, the books are so much better. The TV show sucks." I loved the TV show for what it was. So much so that I was conflicted. I was like, "Do I want?" to watch the show before I read the books so that I can experience that suspense and excitement. Right. But no, no interest in that franchise anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, four or five good seasons of television gets ruined by the last couple, but you know, is what it is. That's, that's TV. You decided to make this plot. So that there you, there you go. So why don't I get into my number one? I got to do number two still. Oh, Okay, do you need to break while you go take oh, a potty, potty humor. humor. Come on. <laughs> well, considering you don't like the show, this kind of works out. Uh-oh. Number two is going to be Veep from HBO. Mm. Veep came out in 2012. It ran from 2019. It's seven seasons. Um, all, you know, there is, you could fill a house with the number of awards this thing won. Um, I just think more than anything, the disdain towards democracy and our politicians and and it coming to light in the 2000 in 2010s whatever the hell we're calling it is perfect timing. Yeah. Like they couldn't have seen Donald Trump winning the presidency, but it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to that show because now they're like now you watch the show with a certain resentment, you're like this is actually what it's like, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, 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 and yeah. the number of people that number of politicians in Washington that say it's not the West Wing, it's not, you know, whatever. Right. It's Veep. Oh wow. And you're like it's petty nonsense yeah. where you, you know Veep is incredible. Armando Anucci created it and left after season four. And then they had a second show runner. I forget his name, but he was from Seinfeld and he came on to help them run it out. And, uh, and the way that the story changes goes up and down. I just, I also feel like it was the most loaded cast. They would call on day players. Sometimes you're like, and it's never like, it was never a star. It was never like, wow, Hugh Grant is that guy. It was like, like a really good improv player from LA that you're like, Oh, Matt Walsh is reoccurring in this? Right. Or like this guy's right. stuff, and you're like, they chose really funny people to deliver really hard-hitting, right. sometimes disgusting, hilarious dialogue. Yeah. And it was just so, it hit me in a perfect place. Turns out Julia Duluth Drive is, isn't a fluke. She uh, has been in two of the better comedies of the last 30 years. Yeah. And uh, and that's really remarkable. So Veep, uh, I think, is just a really special show. And so my small MVP of Veep, by the way. MVP? MVP. <laughs> It's going to be Timothy Simons as Jonah Ryan. He was, he's a really tall guy. Oh yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, He was an assistant starting out and then he eventually gets into a really hilarious place, but he was always the punchline and it was so perfect. He reacted so great. I, one of the problems I had with, I have a ton of respect for it because clearly it like, you know, a ton about politics and, and that world and you love the West wing. And I don't think you would like a show that didn't have that spirit of authenticity towards it Mm -hmm. um, while also being very funny. Yeah. My pro- so I, I have respect for the show. I believe it's as good as everyone says it is. But I have trouble watching a show 
where I do not like any of the characters. I've said this a million times. It's really hard for me. Um, I need at least someone I can latch onto to be like, oh, you're the sane person. You're the one. No, if they're everyone's all despicable. deplorable, I just can't. I they can't watch are their despicable. Shows. Yeah. Everybody, everybody yeah. is. And might uh, as well be cast with Kevin, yeah, Stuart, Bob, because they're all despicable. Oh my god! And yeah. and, and Groot. 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 Yeah. No, not Groot. Groot. Isn't it Groot? Just oh, it's Groot. Groot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Despicable Me franchise. Despicable the B. The trilogy. Despicable B. The Sminimal Me. <laughs> the Sminimal Me. Uh, all right, Mikey, what is your number one? My number one. With a bullet. Not only is this my favorite show of the last 10 years, I think this is my favorite show of all time. Whoa. Uh, it's a show that I, I guess is underrated because I don't know too many people who have watched it, but it hit, it checked all the boxes for me. Okay. It was mysterious enough to keep my interest from episode to episode and wa- I wanted to like kind of see the next one to see hey are they going to answer all these questions but it wasn't reliant on its mysteries to the degree of something like maybe Lost was yeah. because it becomes very apparent very early the show is not about what happened it's about how everyone reacts to what happened Absolutely. The, funny funny you say left, uh, Lost the leftovers. because sorry I, yeah, yeah. I stepped on it yeah no that's okay yeah because Damon Lindelof is yeah exactly and I think I think Great. to me uh, The Leftovers is almost a better version of what the style of show Lost is mm-hmm. because I honestly think part of it is because it was never meant to be six seasons it was a tight three seasons and I think that was intentional because their religious undertones are are all over the place and the number three is very significant throughout the show and throughout religions um so I don't know maybe that's that's a little bit of a, of a stretch <laughs> no, I but don't. yeah um I think that for something like lost, where it has to kind of string people along, has to be conscious of its commercial breaks, has to be conscious of how much interest it's garnering from episode to episode and then cliffhangering from season to season. Because it's it's a network show and, and it's kind of beholden to those sorts of ratings and competition at primetime, Leftovers had none of that. I just felt like it was the show it was and you were either going to like it or you weren't, but it wasn't trying to be anything. Mm-hmm. And I there there's never been a show on television that I've watched so intently to the point of almost taking notes to be like, oh, I think that means something. Let me refer back to that afterwards. Right. And nine times out of ten, it turns out that did mean something. It may not have been what I thought, but it meant something. There's an episode of that show. I'm I'm painfully goosebumps right now. Um, you were the most sensitive goosebump person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I know, right? Like I could show you a color and you're like, oh. Even more so than R.L. Stein. <laughs> um, I I there's an episode of that show. It's in the third season. And it has to do with passing through the afterlife, essential, or like it, more more of a purgatory. And the main character gets stuck in purgatory. And this is after two seasons of just kind of absurd things happening right. that they either justify or don't justify. Justified, speaking of which, was a show that I was hoping to be. Oh, to I this. thought for a second you were talking about Justified, and then I'm so sorry I stepped on your thing. No, because, that's okay. Because I was going to go, just say Westworld already. It's okay. Oh, oh God, Westworld. I, I fucking know. hate. Oh, that's the yeah. joke. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Good. <laughs> I gotta go. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> I was going to say Big Bang Theory and just see what happens, <laughs> but uh, no. So, so at the end of that episode, in order to get out of purgatory, right. the main character Justin Thoreau, who is also in Maniac, yep. and Maniac reminded me a little bit of the Leftovers as well has to sing karaoke in a hotel lobby and he's like he's like what like what do you mean he's like yep that that's how you that's that's how you escape and he's 
he's like, I sing karaoke. He's like, yeah, pick a song. And it's this insanely emotional scene. And, and anyone who watches it out of context is probably like, what the fuck? Sing karaoke? What this means? This is so pointless. Yeah. But the exact point of it is like, think about all the other dumb shit we've done. Think about all the crazy shit that some religions talk about. Yeah. You know, do, you know, baptisms and things like that. Like, what does it mean? It's like, why the fuck not? sing karaoke yeah. in a hotel bar and yeah. it's just throwing throwing everything in the face of like expectations of certain religions or spiritual movements and things like that and another perfect thing before i move on because i know i've been talking a lot about this show no, that's okay it's a good show but uh is that you can read it as a pro-religion show as a against religion you can have right a, a, an atheistic view on it a spiritualistic view on it sometimes i'd watch an episode and be like i'm gonna try to see if i can find enough evidence here to say that this is pro-Christianity and you always can. And then you can watch another episode and be like, I'm going to try to see if I can see this through the eyes of someone who's purely atheist and, and, and it's all chaos just kind of interconnecting. Right. And you can do that as well. It doesn't say anything about any of those things. It just presents this landscape like, like adult Lego where you can Mm. just kind of piece it all together and build your own understanding of it. Um, and it's all done intentionally. I just fucking, I can't say enough good things about that show. Chances are a lot of people haven't seen it. I know it, it wasn't watched by a ton of people. Right. I was surprised when I, when I started looking up lists of the top, you know, 100 shows, 10 shows, whatever of the decade, just sure. to kind of like spark my memory. This was the top one on more than one of, or oh, wow. no, no, at least one list, but it was, it was on there much more consistently yeah. than yeah. I, I would have thought. Oh no, I've seen it all, all over the place. Yeah. I think Leftovers is incredibly well remembered yeah i didn't i thought i was kind of alone on that one but no no no, no no i i think i think people and i think i hate to say this like in a really odd way but i think smart people really like leftovers you know what i mean like some of the lists that i really respect are like yeah, oh yeah. it was on there yeah you know what i mean so there you go your number one the leftovers the leftovers all right so my number one um you know, throughout this list, I've, I've tried to avoid recency bias in, in a large way because I feel it's so true that we just get colored by the most recent thing. Of course. Um, and so, like, uh, there's a big thing about, like, you know, multiple choice tests. Read through the whole thing, and then whatever answer your first answer was, go with that right, one. Right, right, so right, when you start right. questioning yourself, right? Well, I had this on my list the whole time, and while I was moving numbers up and down and, you know, doing things and replacing stuff— I found it, it all of a sudden found its way to number one, and I know it's recent, but I don't care. Fleabag is number one. Wow, okay. Um, I'm surprised Succession wasn't down there. So I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Succession and Barry were the hardest cuts for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, But they were just recent, and I just want to see how they go from there. Sure. Also, the one season one I was talking about was Chernobyl. Chernobyl would have been up there for me, and I I just, like, for some reason, it only being one season, I was like, it was so good. It was so so good. It was it was it was good. I think it was not. I can't believe how well received and well reviewed oh, really? it is. It's it was great, but mm-hmm. it, to me, nowhere close to top ten. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It might have been my tenth. I don't know oh, if wow. I didn't have these weird things. But back to Fleabag. You know, first airing on the BBC. Uh, I think the MVP of that show has to be Phoebe Waller Bridge's brain. I think the <laughs> fact that she can conceive of a show like that and make it work to be charming and funny. But sad, you know, there's an inherent sadness that reigns throughout that show. And, and maybe that's just being British because it seems to be an inherent sadness and 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 lack of empathy that goes through characters yep. in British shows. But especially through this one, the relationship with their father and their stepmother and her sister and, and the fact that there is no basis of love in her life. Yeah. You know, everyone has someone to rely on. And whether it's a friend or a pet or, you know, a family member or something like that, you have people that you can lean on and it... I think that sadness throughout the show, it, it's not apparent. 
And so it feels dangerous and loose in ways like that. But the fact that she could craft a character that is likable and funny and loose and, you know, aloof, but loose, also like in the first episode, her hey, asshole, her asshole, <laughs> That's, a huge asshole. Yeah. 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 Um, is, is phenomenal. And, and the fact that she crafted this thing through the Edinburgh Fringe Festival all the way to, to a TV show on the BBC and Amazon is remarkable. And I think this will be one of those things that maybe, I don't know what we're talking about in 10 years, but I know the quality will always be there. The writing is phenomenal. So yeah. Uh, Fleabag's my number one. Well, I, I think it's it's totally fair that it's on there as well, specifically because it's a... I, I think it's done after... Like, it's done. It's done. It's done. So, it, it that's a complete package. Yeah. Recency I know bias or otherwise. Yeah. Barry, two seasons. Succession, two seasons. Mm-hmm. Who knows where it's going to go exactly. after that. Um, you know, I, I don't know because there were picks on my list that may end up having second seasons and it may go downhill, but I, I totally get that. I, I do love Fleabag. Mm-hmm. It's not a top 10 for me for some reason. I wanted it to resonate with me like it did with other people, and for some reason it, it didn't. I honestly think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I cannot stand breaking the fourth wall uh, in the way that that this constantly did. This was the best version of that. I was going to say, okay. Because, I usually don't like it either. Yes, but this this was the best version because it becomes apparent, like we talked about on this podcast as well in the past. She doesn't become apparent. Th- no, she never carries a child. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm so sorry. Her, her sister loses one though. Oh God, yeah, hilarious <laughs> reminder. <laughs> You're right. Heyo. <laughs> oh, that's great. But I do love that it becomes <laughs> apparent uh, that her her almost like nervous tick, you know, checking in with the audience is something that she's doing psychologically. Yeah. And that was a very, I almost felt dirty when, when you found out that that was happening. Yeah, Andrew like, Scott calls her out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, I, I shouldn't be listening to you then. Like, yeah. You're, you're letting me in, but you're not meaning to. This is a compulsion of well, some sort. I felt sort. it was like a cheating. Like, like, stop looking at me. He's talking to you. Like, right, I think right, like, right, right, right. He sees us. Don't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very good in the end, like the very end. Uh, well, we shouldn't ruin it because people very much should go out and watch Fleabag. And, and the yeah. point I'm going to make is not worth spoiling the entire series for. Uh, yeah. Just the last scene of the of the is so perfect. It's so perfect. It's it like, yeah, it's just a nice little bow. And it's like, wow, that's really good writing right there. Every so often the show reminds you that you are a part of her story right by by viewing it you are you are there and experiencing it and every so often she'll interact with you in a way that isn't just turning to you and saying something in the first season i think when she's called out by her family and and her sister basically disowns her whatever it is there's this weird run-in she has with the camera and she gets startled by it and then the camera moves towards her and she moves back as though she's like taken aback, like almost feeling judged by it yeah, or yeah, now yeah. now it's an enemy yeah um, or like we're intruding in her life like fuck off like, right oh, right I'm so sorry and it's just it's the, that sense of making me feel like this is gonna sound weird but it is almost like a video game where you're almost a part of the action totally uh was was that was very well done and i i understand why everyone loves it so much mm-hmm. just again just didn't quite hit those notes that I think it hit with everyone else. Absolutely. Well, we're going to relist our list here in a second, but yeah. I kind of want to just run through as quickly as possible. I'm literally going to scream out a bunch of yeah. names at yeah. you, yeah. but, and then I'm going to talk about it in a second, but here are all the other names that I had written down and I have little stars next to some of them. Those are the ones I kind of want to like highlight. Sure. But here we go. 
Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, American Crime Story, Glow, Sherlock, Stranger Things, The Americans, Handmaid's Tale, Key and Peele, Silicon Valley, Portlandia, The Nick, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Detroiters, Happy Ending, Big Mouth, Documentary Now, Terriers, Killing Eve, Broad City, Last Week Tonight, Chernobyl, The Crown, New Girl, True Detective, Better Call Saul, Barry, Justified, Succession, Schitt's Creek, Review, Drunk History, and You're the Worst. Yeah, there's a lot of those that I had on my list as well Oof. before before it got whittled down to, to 10. Yeah. Um, when did 30 Rock air? 30 Rock started in 2007, 2008. And when did it go till? 2013. Okay, because Justified started in like 2007 as well, I think. Oh, I thought, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Take it off the list. No, but I, I thought maybe you were like some some close no, call no, types. No, no, no. Because I, I thought 30 Rock would have been your like number one. Oh, it would have been like, yeah. if I, yeah, but it, unfortunately it aired before 2010. Yeah. The ones I really highlighted, I really think American Crime Story was really good. Yeah. Uh, the, the, b- both the um, Versace one and the OJ one are really good. Uh, the Americans is incredible. Not, didn't get enough attention. Sherlock was important because it kind of brought on all this like small miniseries stuff, which miniseries has gone away for almost right, 20 years. Right. And it brought in this right. like, you know, little bit of stuff here or there. Key and Peele can't be stated how important it was. Detroiters is one of our favorite shows Des- of all time. Detroiters amazing. Happy Endings would never get enough attention because it's essentially a sitcom. Yes. But my God, is it funny and didn't get long enough. Well, see, leash. New Girl I could have had on my list as well. There you go. Yeah. See, absolutely. So, and then the other ones, Terriers is an incredible one season show, but I just can't have it on there. But it's such a good show. Yeah. And it got canceled. Last week tonight's a talk show. So it kind of felt a very odd I thought thing. about that one as well, I did actually. too. It's yeah. so good. And yeah. it's like informative and it's funny and whatever. You're never going to add like Jimmy Kimmel, but like last week tonight, you might put on Well, there. the reason why I would put something like that in not say the daily show or something like mm-hmm. that it, it is because I, I love their dedicated attention to one topic. It's to no different really than the daily dissect it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly like that. They're going to take one topic. You're going to learn a lot about it and they'll, you'll feel at the end going like, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. There, you know? there, there are shows that I had on here that I, that I didn't put a lot of them were so, so I had uh cooked, like I said, the yeah. toys we grew up on is another show that oh, I just absolutely, absolutely adored. You do like that show. But again, it's tough because a it's, it just got its second season technically. Um, and it, it is also, it seems more like a mini series in some capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, I wanted some sort of documentary thing on there, but I, I just, I just, it just didn't seem like it would fit. Oh, my phone's ringing. No big deal. <laughs> Do you want to keep that in? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think diversity in the shows is kind of real, is a good thing. Yeah. Like to have different things, but also I tried to choose the 10 shows that were truest of me. So, you know, if that made it in there, if it didn't, that's, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think those are really interesting lists. Do you want to go 10 to 1 really quickly? And let's, go, let's go 10 to yeah. 1. Yeah. So I will. Uh, so my 10 to 1, I'll start at uh, 6 and then move up. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just, guys, I'm <laughs> fucking with you. I'm see, fucking with you. See, you don't, you're not counting. See, that's the joke, right? It's the joke. Guys. It's the big old joke. It's the big old joke. Okay, so 10, Sharp Objects. 9, Mindhunter. 8, Russian Doll. 7, Maniac. 6, I Think You Should Leave. 5, Rick and Morty. Four, Black Mirror. Three, Nathan for You. Two, Game of Thrones. And one, The Leftovers. And mine are 10 is Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain. Nine, Hannibal. Eight, Bob's Burgers. Seven, Halt and Catch Fire. Six, Fargo. Five, The Good Place. Four, Game of Thrones. Three, Atlanta. Two, Veep. And number one, Fleabag. And I think what is a nice little button to this whole conversation is that you and I, who have similar interests and you know, find ourselves liking similar things, have one show in common for the last decade. 
in our top 10 list. Yeah. And, I thought we were going to have more to be, I thought like one or two here and there, like, but I think it only, it only puts a nice little stamp on that, that this is the decade where TV took prominence. If forever movies were what you did when you had made it. And if you slumped back to TV, that's the way you did. But now TV has become a destination because there's so many prestige shows and there's so much quality all over the place. And I think that's a good example of the fact that we just named 20 really good shows and only one was in common. And uh, keep in mind, like, Oh no, Sharp Objects was HBO, wasn't yeah. it? Okay, for a second I thought that was uh that was Netflix. But Mindhunter, Russian Doll Maniac, Netflix shows. Yeah. Imagine ten years ago saying three of the best ten shows of the next year are going to all come from Netflix. I yeah. think you should leave as another one. Yeah, I think you should leave, yeah. I, I the fact like and then there's multiple places that these things will be made in the future. We'll be, we'll be talking about Disney Plus, we'll be talking right. about Hulu. Right, right, right. We'll be right. talking about other things that don't have a, a an existence on cable. Um, but that's kind of the best thing. We're going to see more authors making work. That's great. Well, here it's, it's funny because when we started this, you were talking about, well, sometimes you can't tell the difference between a movie and a TV show and yeah. what is this and what is that. Really, though, does there have to be a difference? Like, I don't know. Just yeah. because it's episodic and you split up a three-hour story. Like, The Irishman, you could make a, a season of a TV show. Yeah, it's three and a half hours long. Right. Have half-hour episodes and that's a TV show. Yep. I think what we're seeing here is that there's this blending of the medium. Same with podcasting, like we were talking about in the beginning, mm-hmm. where it's just, here's content. It doesn't have to be TV. It doesn't have to be a movie. You don't have to get it at the theater, and you don't have to get it on cable. It's kind of just all over the place. Uh, and you pick and choose it wherever you want to go. That That's that's fine. I love that, because it. I don't think anything needs to stay in its lane. And the more you can blur those lines, just like Robin Thicke, mm-hmm. the more creative output you're going to get. I know I completely agree with you. I, I think it's a really, it's a really great way to start with our list segments. Yeah. Um, because, because TV really like the way I'll remember this decade is mostly through TV because yeah. of the huge steps it's taken. Video games have been a big part of it, and that will also be echoed in our video game conversation. Echoed Movies, in the dolphin as well. Absolutely, echo the dolphin. Thirty six. <laughs> Echoes revenge. Um, but like movies, less so. Like yeah. movies, there are great movies that came out this decade. Don't get me wrong, but movies have been always movies. TV is now taking this right. huge step right. forward right. to to be where we are, and so more than anything, we want to hear your lists. I would love to. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I'm sure there's lots of disagreeing. If you agree, we'd like to hear that as well, actually. I, I, I wouldn't mind a little pat on the back because I yeah. said earlier in this episode, a very, very self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, there's really interesting shows all over the place. And so we want to hear from you and we really appreciate you listening, D-Pads. Actually, back to normal uh, scheduling next week. Next week. And then the following week, we're going to do the same thing with our top 10 movies yeah, of the decade. that is going to be Then back once again for a regular schedule program i think that's around the time of rise of skywalker so yes, we will maybe be. do uh, uh star wars episode one racer yeah who knows though who kn- who i knows? don't know i don't i honestly don't know we yeah i don't know i either. don't have a calendar in front of me <laughs> honestly i don't know it could be close what though. month is it <laughs> we're doing this in 2014 right and um, then for new year's yes or right around new year's we're going to be oh no, new year's eve will be oh, the episode that came out new year's out. eve is going to be our top 10 video games well we have to bring decade. it home with with what has made us great we're yeah. talking about video games and we want to talk to you about video games on new year's eve a really special day and we yeah. hope uh we hope we can be there for you as well so yeah. uh thank you so much for listening please let us know one way or another we want to hear from you we love you all d-pads and can't wait to talk to you soon game tv show over <laughs> series finale <laughs> feel free to review the po- <clears throat> Feel free to review the podcast on your platform of choice, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. Subscribe, like, and review wherever you get your podcasts.
Listen direct and find our show notes at theretrogradepod.com. Join us on Facebook or on Instagram at The Retrograde Podcast. Or Twitter at Retrograde Pod. And you can always send us an email at theretrogradepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this, make sure you let your player two know it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, make sure to let your player two know to give us a listen. Let's play again next week. D-Pat. No, that sounds so dumb with a pause. What is wrong with me? Am I have a head injury? Let's play again next week, D-Pads. Fuck it. That sounded good. Suck my dick, Roger Bannister. (laughs)